Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Glory to God. Father, we worship you. We just give you glory and honor and praise. Let's just lift him up. Just lift up the name. Praise God. Jesus is high. Jesus is higher than any other name. He is high and lifted up. He is Lord of all. And he is our high priest. He is our brother. He is uh, our Lord, our Savior. He is King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is everything in between. And we lift you up, Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. Praise God. Nothing else is Lord. Nothing else is Lord. Nothing else is Lord. The circumstance isn't Lord. Our past isn't Lord. Failures and mistakes, they're not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Praise God. And we are our children of the Most High. God because of Jesus, because of our high priest, because of that blood. And so, Father, we come in today and we thank you for the Holy Ghost who, who leads us and guides us into all truth, who leads us and guides us into the truth of your word, who actually, Father God, allows us to come up and step up into the places that we're designed to walk in. And right now, we open up our eyes, we open up our ears. We allow our ears to see, to hear exactly what the Spirit's been saying. We allow our eyes to see exactly what the, hear, the Spirit's been showing us. We allow our hearts to have understanding of these things. And so, Father, we just allow these things to soak in today, right now, in the name of Jesus. We come in boldly. We come in, Father God, aware. We come in ready to receive. Praise God. And Father, we just we just open ourselves all ourselves up. We say whatever heaven is speaking for this moment, for this very day, for this very hour, whatever you've seen before the foundation of the world for this time and this people, Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we open ourselves and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, glory to God. We were, uh, um, it's been a little while since, since uh, uh, Rachel and I, you know, have been here and uh, um, uh, what, what was, John and I were having lunch a while back, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago now and because uh, uh, we were obviously in the Midwest for a little while and that was a lot of fun. We, uh, I was anyway. Rachel wasn't able to join me this time, but just got back from from uh, um, Missouri just uh, the other day. And in fact, just uh, Tuesday, I just got back. So, uh, but a couple months ago, John and I were were uh, having lunch and we were just talking about the things of God as we do. We always have a great time. And anyway, the uh, the the subject of the high priest came up for some reason or another. And uh, I just mentioned that I really enjoy teaching on that. And so he just said, come on, you know, <laughs> and, uh, whenever I had a chance, we were just going to schedule it in and have me teach on the high priest. So for the next um, four, well, the, the, to, including tonight, four, four Wednesdays, uh, we're going to be teaching on the high priest and we're going to be teaching on his role in our life uh, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. What does it mean to have a high priest? Is it, is it, how important is this? Um, and how this came about in my heart was just as I began to obviously read the Word and, and reading through the book of Hebrews, especially, and we're going to be in the, in the book of Hebrews predominantly um, for over the next few weeks. Uh, the reason is because in the book of Hebrews, you see the term high priest used more in the book of Hebrews than really in any other book of the Bible. It's used 19 times in the book of Hebrews. And um, while not every chapter mentions it, almost everyone does. And, uh, and we see that it's emphasized over and over and over again, that the concept of the high priest, what the high priest did for us. And what I find, though, is, is in uh, you know, our Western culture, 
how much do we really know about the high priest? You know, we're we're you know here in the U.S. You know, in our Western culture, the you know 2019. Uh, uh, you know, what? How much do we really know about the high priest? How much? Uh, how much consciousness or awareness do we have of a, a culture that has a high priest in it? Now, you know, we know, you know, in the, in the Middle East, in 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 Jewish custom and Jewish tradition and culture, they have been brought up with with some form of an understanding of a high priest. Now, they may not walk in that as much today as they used to, but it's still part of their culture. We never had it as our culture. We never even had the concept of a high priest as our culture. Um, so when people start talking about the high priest, it kind of gets lost on us, you know, and and yet it's emphasized throughout the book of Hebrews. And so, to me, that, that tells me that there's something so important, so vital about this, or else the Holy Spirit would not have had uh, the high priest emphasized so heavily. Um, and now, uh, uh, so this is what we're going to get into. Is like, you know, wh why, um, you know, what is the, the, what's the big deal? You know, let me just read a couple of verses here in the book of Hebrews. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 3, first of all. And, and we'll, we'll, I'm just going to... In this week, I want to just highlight the uh, kind of the importance of the high priest. And the next few weeks, we're going to get into just just really what he did for us. Because what I want to do now is is in the, in tonight is man, if we don't come away with anything, I want us to come away with with understanding that there that he plays such a huge factor in our life. And how, how what does it mean to to allow him to be that? In Hebrews chapter three, here in verse one, it says, "Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling." Consider the apostle, and what does it say? High priest of our profession, or that word could be confession, Christ Jesus. He says, he says, partakers of the holy calling, our heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, here he talks about this, saying, listen, this is this is our high priest, right? He is so important. He goes, if you want to walk, he says, if you want to walk holy, call us holy brethren. Those are set apart. The, the term holy means set apart. It means sanctified, set apart from, from everybody else. We're holy brethren, and we're partakers of the heavenly calling. So if we want to begin to partake of something heavenly instead of something earthly, if we want to actually shift from walking in, in earthly things and start partaking in heavenly things, we need to consider the high priest. We need to actually begin to, to understand that, that he plays a part in this. Now the next chapter, chapter 4, and um and in verse uh um <laughs> in verse 14 it says seeing then that we have a great high priest praise god he's not just any high priest he's a great high priest that is passed in the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our professional confession that we might that 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 we have not a high priest it says for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise God. So my high priest determines how I come. My high priest determines what I walk in. My high priest determines how I receive from God. Now, um, and there he says, seeing that we have a great high priest, right? And then, of course, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, in verse 1, he says, uh, Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So he's been talking for seven chapters here. I believe the I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. There's reasons I believe that, but I, I could I could be wrong, you know. And I'm sure not everybody thinks that way. Um, and if I'm wrong, you know, Paul will forgive me. God will forgive me. It's all okay. Okay, I'm not doctrinal about that. It's just my 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 you know guess is that he uh, he wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, 
And now, so so if I make, I, I say that because I might make reference to the fact that Paul probably wrote it. And and so if I did, if, or if he did, or if he didn't, whatever, forgive me. But just for ease, that's why I say that. Um, but here, so so I believe Paul's writing this, and so here he's written seven chapters, you know, that are packed full. Seven chapters through through this through this letter, and this is an extensively long letter so far, right? Seven chapters worth, and he's writing and writing and writing, and then he comes into now. We know that he didn't do it by chapter and verse, but he comes and he's written all these all these things in this letter so far, and then he comes to this point, and we call it chapter eight, verse one. It says now of the sum of 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 the sum of the things uh, of which we have spoken. This is now. Let me just reread that. I'm messing it up. So this is now of the things which we have spoken. This is the sum. So he goes. This is. This is. I'm going to wrap it all up here. He says, "We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the Majesty of Heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man." Oh my goodness. So here he is. He's sitting there going, listen, he goes, if you want to add this whole thing up, if you want to sum it all up, if you want to draw a conclusion of all the things I've been talking about so far, here's the sum of it. We have a high priest. Praise God. <laughs> I love it. Because so so here, you know, this is so important that the Holy Spirit, through I believe the Apostle Paul or whoever it was who wrote this, is just pointing it out over and over and over again. I just I just touched on three of these and we're gonna get into a lot more of these. But the the, the book of Hebrews is written so much uh, focusing on the high priest. And there's reasons for this. And so as we get into this, understanding now, now who what why is the high priest so important in the book of Hebrews? Well, number one, we know that this is written to the Hebrew people. This is written to Jewish people, right? There's other books, the other epistles, uh, being you know Galatians and Ephesians and 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 these different ones, uh, Romans, these different ones that are not written to specifically Hebrew people. They're not written specifically to Jewish people. A lot of them are written to Gentiles who got saved. You know, which is who we are. We're Gentiles who got saved. But the Hebrew people, there's something unique about the Hebrew people because he's writing to a group of people who, what I like to call, um, these are people who have a wilderness mentality. And if you read through Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, he talks at length about the, them having a, a, a wilderness mentality. In other words, it's, it's like in their minds, they're still walking through this wilderness that they were in for 40 years before they entered the promised land. You know, they... They're, they're, you know, and, and we understand the the uh, characteristics of wilderness people. I think we can identify with them somewhat. I think that I think that you hear the, the Holy Spirit, even though He wrote this specifically to Jewish people, He's writing it for us. It's all written for us. The whole Bible is written for us, whether it was specifically written to us or not. And so this is written for us. And if we see that um, the, the characteristics of of wilderness people. Um, the characteristics of, of the Hebrew people, they love God. They still love God. I mean, I you understand that when, when you see, what, what I find so fascinating is is when you see the, 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 these Hebrew people, these Jewish people, and they have loved God for thousands of years. They've held on to a covenant and they have been more persecuted than any other people on the planet. And, you know, we know, of course, about what happened in World War II, but that, was, that wasn't all of it. 
I mean, that wasn't even the beginning of it. You know, they've been persecuted for, for, for millennia. I mean, they've been persecuted for thousands of years. They've been persecuted and kicked out of country after country after country, run out, driven out, killed. I mean, over and over again for their faith. I mean, all the way back, you know, from Abraham. And, and what we need to see is that these people they held it. They held they held fast to their, their confession of faith. They held fast to, to their to their, their their belief in the most high God. And and they it's amazing to me what these people have walked in. You know, what we do as Christians is, you know, to me it's like, you know, we, we come in and we get saved and we love God and all this, but um we're kind of coming in to me it's kinda like um you know, it's kinda like coming in on the last ten minutes of a movie, you know? We come in and it's a great movie and the movie is just like, you know, it's wrapping up. It's like dun, 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 dun. And it's a great ending. And it's, oh, it's climactic and it's powerful and you see the victory and you see everything happening and all the stuff is coming together and it's just this momentous giant ending of a movie. And you see the last 10 minutes of it and you're like, whoo, man, this is something. This is powerful. Man, I love this movie, you know, and it's just, it, even the last 10 minutes are so powerful. You can, you're crying and you're like, oh man, this is so good. You know, I love this movie. And that's how Christians are. We're coming in on the last 10 minutes. This movie's about to end, right? It's wrapping up, you know, as far as the, the, as far as the, the, the season of it here on the earth. It's wrapping up. Okay, but we come in the 10 minutes and we're like, whoa, man, we love that. But we don't understand that there was a whole other hour and 50 minutes that came before that that carries such weight and such context for the last 10 minutes. And even though we're enjoying the last 10 minutes, we have no context for the 10 minutes we're watching because we didn't see the last hour and 50 minutes of it. And so, <coughs> and but yet the Jewish people didn't walk in this out. They've been in it since... They've been in it since since the opening credits. You know what I'm saying? They've been in it. They've been walking it out, and and so we need to understand that, that that we can allow the Holy Spirit to give us a context for the last, you know, for for the the ten minutes that we're in. He can give us the whole context for it, and we do that as we begin to unravel the the just the mysteries of the Old Testament, the mysteries of the Jewish people, and the mysteries of what God has given us. We do it through faith. We do it through the Lordship of Jesus. We do it through redemption. But we still need to do it then we, we can't we can't be pridefully coming into the last 10 minutes thinking we know everything because good lord we don't and um and so but here we see though that these people the, the, the jewish people they love god they've been faithful they, they believe the covenants of god they believe the promises of god but they're not seeing the fullness of his blessing or his power on their life See, this is what wilderness people do. Wilderness people have been delivered from sin, right? They, they were delivered from Egypt. It's a type of sin. They, they know that their enemy was defeated. They saw their enemy get defeated in the Red Sea, right? They saw their enemy die in the Red Sea. They have provision with manna. They have permission with quail uh, you know, in the wilderness I'm talking about. They have direction. They have a fire by night and a cloud by day. They have. They came out. Not one feeble was among them. They, they, were, they were healed supernaturally. Um, even when, when Moses lifted up the rod in the wilderness, you know, they, they, they were healed supernaturally in those situations. Uh, they were, um, they, they had great wealth when they came out of Egypt, didn't they? So they've seen God's blessing, but they're not walking in an inheritance. They're not walk, walking in the fullness of his presence. They're not walking in rest and peace. And that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, how that even though they, they know all of these things, there's a time to enter into his rest. 
And that's what he wanted to give them the whole time was rest. You know, you can have money, but if you don't have rest, what good is it? You know, if you're living in fear, if you're living in, in the, the cycles of frustration, you understand, I, I'm talking to us right now because does this not sound familiar? People who love God, people believe God, people believe the promises, they've seen things in their life, they've seen His deliverance power, they've seen the victories of God, they've seen His promises come to pass in some degree, but they're not walking in the fullness of it. That sounds like the church to me, right? That sounds like most people in the body of Christ. And so Hebrews is written to a people that have walked these things out. Now, um, you know, they, they, what's interesting about this is that when, when, you, when you're walking in these different things, like the wilderness people, you carry an understanding of the promises of God, you carry faith with you, but you're not carrying much influence. You see, they didn't have influence in the earth until they settled in the promised land and then they became a nation that had a, a, a reign they had a realm they had a kingdom they had something they could settle they could plant roots and they could begin to actually have influence in the earth and if, if we're walking in the wilderness we don't have the influence that we're supposed to have if we're walking in the wilderness then we can have the provision we can know god's promises and all of that stuff and we can see the blessing from time to time but if but we're really not ruling and reigning in the earth we're not really you know we're not planting the flag for the kingdom and expanding the kingdom of god in the earth because we haven't established the, the promised land we haven't come into a place of rest you know and and what happens is the the uh um the you know the wilderness people they even though they love God and they, they believe God they still are really dependent upon their own ability if you remember back over in numbers chapter 13 uh, numbers 13 uh, we see them coming to the promised land right and they sent remember how many spies they sent in the land the first time there's been 12 spies in right and you remember what happened <laughs> 12 spies go in and um, now two of them, Guys, remember who who are the two? The two the two good ones. I'm talking about the two good ones. That was Joshua and Caleb, right? Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report, right? And uh, now remember what the other two ten came back. The other ten came back with what? What they call an evil report. It says in in uh, in Hebrews, right? And they also talks about numbers. But they had an evil report, and they had they'd all seen the same things. They all of them, all all twelve of them saw the same things. They went in the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw the, the 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 cities. They saw the people. All these other things. But ten of them came back saying, "We can't enter in because they are too strong for us." And the two said. Let's go up at once and take the land because God's given it to us. Praise God. Their defense is like bread for us. Let's take it. Praise God. Now, we, you know, the, the, now who, who are the two again? Joshua and Caleb. We all know their names, right? It, it, can somebody tell me the name of one of the ten? I don't know. I don't know any of the other ten's names. I don't know. It's like I don't. I don't. I. I, just, I don't even know them, uh, because they kind of get lost. They get lost in history. But the two, the two that step up and believe God, the two that step up and actually uh, believe that God is bigger, the two that, that believe that God is true to His word. People know their names: Joshua and Caleb. They name their kids after Joshua and Caleb, right? And uh, the ten, nobody even knows their names. Now. Understand that, that we get this. That um, <laughs> okay, they went into the and saw the same things, but ten of them were looking through the eyes of their own ability. Two of them were looking through the eyes of God's ability. Okay, and so ten of them were were 
were going to steer, they ended up steering the whole nation of Israel into simply walking in the wilderness for 40 years. Because they they agreed, the, the population, the majority, vast majority, agreed with, with uh, the ten instead of the two. To the point where they were going to stone Moses and Aaron. And they, I mean, they were so mad, they were going to stone them. And, of course, we know the whole thing, you know, God's going to wipe them out and all that stuff. But um, but what happens is this, is that when, when people have a wilderness mentality, they end up looking at experiences through their own ability. And what happens is, after time, the more that you walk in what I call the, 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 the cycles, the cycles of limitation, the cycles of frustration, the, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, we as Christians, the more that, the longer we, we have been saved and haven't seen the fullness of God. Uh, anybody here know what I'm talking about? We're saved. We love God. We know His covenants. We know His promises. We believe Him. We trust Him. All these things. But we're still not seeing the fullness of it. Like so we're seeing blessings and we're getting our prayers answered here and there, but not the fullness of it. We're not seeing what, what we know is rightfully ours. We're not seeing that thing. We, we, you know, we know it is there, but we're not seeing it. See, that's, that's wilderness mentality. And the longer that we're there, the longer we're in that place of, 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 uh, cycles, the longer we're there, we begin to form doctrines based on our experiences rather than the Word of God. Rather than God defining our experiences, our, uh, defining our doctrines, experience begins to, to form doctrines. In other words, if somebody doesn't get healed right away, that's when somebody comes up with a doctrine saying, well, God must not want them healed. Well, that's not true. We know what the Word says. By His stripes we were healed. He wants us healed all the time. Praise God. But the longer people go without seeing the results that the Word says, they think they have to come up with a different doctrine. They don't. They just need to hold fast to their profession of faith. Praise God. But uh, but what happens is the soul begins to settle for excuses as to why we're not in the promised land instead of just believing God that He's big enough to get us there. And... Um, uh, and, and now, uh, what happens in those things is that is that we begin to form, um, and this is what I'm, I'm just I'm just talking about the church here. I'm talking about the body of Christ right now. Okay, that that we have begin we we have over the centuries. I'm talking about centuries and centuries now has gone by, and so over the centuries and centuries, just like with the Hebrew people, over centuries and centuries, doctrines have formed where we begin to think that we have to add something to God's promise to make it come to pass. And so we get very works-based. We get to the place where we uh, we want to, uh, you know, we, we, we get really, I guess, works-oriented, and uh, and we, uh, we begin to value the processes that we think need to come to pass, and we get we, get, we even begin to value the battles, you know, where it's like, well, we must need to go and battle something to make this come to pass. The, the enemy's been defeated. Praise God. Let's just go up and wants to take the land. But we have to we have to begin to <laughs> um, challenge our wilderness mentality. We have to begin to challenge. Uh, you know, uh, if, if, if we want to battle something, we need to battle the strongholds in our mind that tell us that we can't go in. Okay. But I don't want to value the battle. I want to value rest. And that's what Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 and all, the whole book of Hebrews is all about really entering into the place of rest. Getting out of the wilderness mentality and into the, the, the royalty mentality. Into the kingdom mentality. Praise God. And uh, 
Uh, and so you know, we understand this this book in Hebrews especially is written to those who have a lot of information, but not a lot of manifestation. And uh, and sadly, that's where we see a lot of the body of Christ right now is that they're kind of in that place where they they're still wanting to get more and more information, but they're not really walking in manifestation. And so this is why the book of Hebrews is so vital to me because I I can identify with this book. I can see the church identifying with this book, and this book 19 times talks about the high priest so that tells me that if we are going to go from a wilderness a wilderness mentality to a royal influence based mentality we have got to understand our high priest you know paul in, in throughout the book of hebrews he didn't say well why don't you consider the promises of god why don't you consider the covenants of god why don't you consider abraham isaac and jacob why don't you consider moses why don't you consider da, 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 da? he didn't talk about all that i mean he talks about a lot of that stuff through the through hebrews don't get me wrong but 19 times he talks about the high priest he talks about seeing considering factoring in he's the sum of all things as our high priest and so what we have to do like so we have to begin to challenge this wilderness mentality and we're going to do so by factoring in the high priest. You know, back over there in Hebrews chapter 3. Like I already read it here in Hebrews chapter 3. And um, in chapter in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So, man, here he is. He goes, okay. He goes, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, once again, what's he talking about? He's going, okay, whew, you are not a bunch of sinners. You're holy brethren. You you don't have an earthly calling. You have a heavenly calling. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to consider the high priest. You're going to have to consider the high priest. To, to actually transfer your thoughts from eternal to heavenly, we have to consider the high priest. This is huge. So first of all here, what does it mean to consider the high priest? Well, you know, if if you consider something, the, the the simplest definition of that word is simply to to um, to factor it in. And uh, and if you if you look up the you know the Greek and all these different things and different definitions of this word, you find that this word actually means to to consider means to factor it in. It says through fully perceiving or beholding. In other words, there's, there's a, a fullness of perceiving here, a fullness of perception here. This word consider actually means that we actually fully perceive by beholding. We actually begin to gaze and look and, and, and investigate and inspect the, the, the high priest until we fully perceive the high priest. That where we fully perceive what God wanted in this, in this, um, in this relationship, where we begin to factor him in, we factor. You know, when you factor him in, you means that, that you actually. Um, that's the best way to put it, I guess, is you factor him into the equation. So when you, you know, the, the the children of Israel back in Numbers chapter thirteen, they weren't factoring God in. The tw the ten spies were not factoring God in the equation. They were factoring the giants in. They were factoring the walled cities in. They were factoring, you know, um, just all all the the, the 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 people groups that were there. They were factoring all the obstacles. They were factoring all this stuff. They were factoring in their own ability. They were factoring in their own. 
their own armament. They were factoring in, you know, uh, how how many soldiers they had, and all these other. They were factoring all those in, but the, but they the ten spies were not factoring in God. They were not factoring in the Almighty God. Now the two spies, they were factoring in God. So they're going, yes, you are right. Walled cities, check. Giants, check. A lot of people groups, check. A lot of a lot of soldiers, check. Okay, got it. Okay, a lot of a lot of obstacles, check. Let's let that's part of the equation. Now let's factor in the Almighty Infinite God. Okay, check God. Now is the answer they were factoring in God. They were considering God. They were going, let's consider God in the mix here. And let's go up at once and take the land. Praise God. Let's actually do this thing because their defenses is bred for us and He's given us the land. So they were factoring in something. And this is what he says, consider the high priest. He's saying, let's factor this into the equation. Whatever you're looking at, let's factor in the high priest. Let's actually consider him in the equation. Now, what's cool about this is that, uh, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, you know, we need to, over in Romans chapter 4, it talks about Abraham, right? It says that when, when he was believing God for Isaac, it says he considered not his own body now dead, nor the dentist of Sarah's womb, right? But it says he <coughs> he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He believed that what God was, was, was God was able to do what he, what he had promised. And so what did he do? It says he considered not his own body now dead, nor the dentist of Sarah's womb. He, he didn't factor those into the equation. He didn't factor in how old he was. He didn't factor in his own body now dead. He didn't factor in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't factor in the fact that she'd been barren uh, as long as, 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 as he'd known her. He didn't factor in how old she was. He didn't factor in the fact that nobody that he knew had had a baby at that age. He didn't factor in the, the fact that they'd been trying to have a baby for you know, 25, 30 years, whatever. He didn't factor all those things in. What did he factor in? God is able to do what he promised. Praise God. Now, uh, now he didn't start there. Let's just be honest. He didn't start with that kind of faith. Because if he would have, if he would have started there, he would have never slept with Hagar. When he slept with Hagar, he was definitely factoring in Sarah's deadness of her womb. That's what he was doing. Now, but he came to the place of faith. Glory to God. And he had Isaac. And so there are times where we have to understand that sometimes when we're not factoring things in, just switch. Just begin to factor things in, and God will make it up. Glory to God. Just because Abraham didn't factor uh, in you know, the fullness of God at the beginning doesn't mean that it disqualified him from Isaac. Glory to God. So um, there's always time to begin to factor in our high priest. There's always time to begin to factor in God. And when we, when we begin to factor these things in, man, I love it, because um, <laughs> what we do... Is we begin to we begin to humble ourselves past our inability to somebody else's ability. Um, you know, it's like uh, when I you know just the other day you know I was on an airplane and uh, when I get on that airplane, I understand you know that I have a role on that airplane, but I also understand that the pilots have a role on that airplane, right? Now the pilot's role on that airplane is vastly different than my role on that airplane, isn't that right? Okay, now when 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 I <laughs> um, <clears throat> when I get on that plane, uh, you know I, I don't get on the plane with with 
all kinds of books on aeronautics and books on the law of thrust and lift. I don't have diagrams of of the the certain plane. I don't have diagrams of the cockpit. I don't have I don't you know I don't have d d maps of where we're going and the trajectories and the altitudes and the weather systems and all that stuff. I don't I don't sit there and I'm not studying and studying before I get on the plane. I'm not on the plane studying maps and all that other stuff. Why am I not doing any of that? That's not my job. My job is not to do that stuff. My job is to buy a ticket, get on the plane, and sit down, and then after a few hours, I get off the plane and I'm somewhere else. That's my job. Praise God. Now, you see, my job isn't to fly the plane, and my job isn't even to know how to fly the plane. <laughs> That's not my job. That is their job. That's the pilot's job, right? And so the pilot's job they went to school for that. Now, you see, I don't even know. I mean, I want you to get this. That when I factor in the pilots, when I factor in, when I consider the pilots, I don't have to study for as far as, you know, I don't have to study on how to fly a plane. When I factor in the pilots, I don't have to know about the weather conditions. When I factor in the pilots, I don't have to know about what how high we have to be. I don't have to know the, the, the trajectory. I don't have to know. If you put me in a cockpit of a plane, I wouldn't even know unless it had a giant sign over it and a big giant flashing thing. I wouldn't even know what button to push to start that thing, right? I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't have any idea. I'd sit there with a blind look on my face. I'd be like, I have no stinking clues to how to fly this plane. But is it my job to fly the plane? No, it's not. I What I do is I go in, I get on that plane and I factor in, I consider the pilot. And when I consider the pilot, guess what I get to do? Rest. Praise God. That's what I get to do. I get to rest. And I get to actually, when he, when I, when I consider that he's done his job, I, I sit down, I eat my pretzels, I drink something that they give me, you know, whatever, I drink a pop or something or uh, some water, and I get up, up to three hours later, and I am a couple thousand miles down the road. Praise God. Now, do you understand what God wants to do in our high priest? He wants us to consider the high priest. He wants us to actually, uh, <laughs> he wants to consider the high priest <clears throat> to the point where we learn to rest in him doing his job. That we don't even have to know how to do his job. Glory to God. Um, uh, okay, praise. <laughs> um, now, okay, it's, it's not just when when okay when we consider our high priest it's not just believing that he exists it's not just believing that that we have the resources it's, it's actually more than that it actually goes to the fact of do we actually allow that resource do we how should i put this father um okay it's it's you know when i look when, when i sit in that plane i could Sit there and, and read all the charts and all the, the, the aeronautics books and all that. And I could stand there in the cockpit or outside the cockpit door, knock on the door saying, Oh, if we're at this, this, this altitude, you might want to do this. You might want to adjust this. You might want to do this. You might want to do that. I could do that for three hours. Oh, man, they'd probably have the air marshal or whatever set me down pretty quick. But I'd, I'd probably be the most annoying customer ever. But you understand that, that if I, <laughs> If I consider my high priest, then I allow him to do his job. But what I have to do in order to do that is I have to know, I have to not just know 
the resource that is, uh, I can't just know it mentally. I can't just agree with the resource. I actually have to trust the resource. I have to trust the pilot. There is a level of trust when I sit down that I believe that that pilot knows his job. And I don't even, I don't get his credentials. I don't get, I don't sit there and ask for his resume. I don't ask how many, how long he's been flying. I don't even ask what grades he got in aeronautics school. I don't even know. Okay, that's how much rest I, I actually walk in, right? And we walk in this, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people every day walk in that form of rest where they get on a plane that, you know, it, by all rights has no business flying in the air. You're talking about a plane full of a lot of people. They, you know, this is thousands of tons of, of steel and, you know, luggage and people and it's flying at 30,000 feet in the air. Are you kidding me? That makes no sense. But this is how much people understand trust. They, they sit down on a plane and they trust that they're going to make it there okay. And they don't even know one thing about the credentials of the pilot. And yet, here's what we need to do with our high priest. We need to understand that it's not just... Okay, um, uh, it, it, it's such a matter of trust. Okay, let me get this, get this out here really quick. Um, when it comes to... When it comes to allowing something to affect our thoughts or being a filter of, of, of how we see something, an awareness of a resource is only the beginning. Okay, let me use this illustration. Okay, once again, let's go back to using the airplane. Because if, um, if somebody comes up to me, right, and they ask me, um, they go, Pastor Darrell, I need you to be in New York City you know, uh, within 24 hours time. I need to be there. It's an emergency. I need to be there in 24 hours time. Now, with that in mind, you know, would I be able to say, yes, I can do that? Well, yeah. I mean, the, I know that planes can get me to New York City in 24 hours time, no problem, right? And so, if somebody said, it's an emergency, I need you to be there in 24 hours time, can you do it? Now, what I would do is I would immediately start thinking, okay, how quickly can I get to my local airport and can I can I buy tickets da, 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 all the way there? And But, you see, I would begin to factor in the resources, right? And I would say, okay, yes, I, that, that's doable. That's definitely doable. Now, so they give me this scenario and me, now understand, 200 years ago, let's say 200 years ago, or even 100 years ago, or 150 years ago, or whatever, if somebody were to say, uh, if they were to come to me and they say, Pastor Darrell, I need to get to New York City in 24 hours, I would say, no, I cannot do it. It's impossible to do. Why? Because I wouldn't, 100 years ago or 200 years ago or whatever, I wouldn't have the awareness of a resource called an airplane, right? that awareness would not be there. I wouldn't have the resource available to me, so I would look at the circumstance through the filter of the resource. And so I'm looking at it like, no, it's impossible because I lack a resource to get me there. Now, if somebody said, get me there in 24 hours, I have a resource available. And so I look at the, I'm looking at the circumstance through the filter of a resource. And now it's doable. But now let's say if somebody comes up to me and they say, Pastor Darrell, I need you to get to New York City in three hours. In three hours, I need you to get to New York City. Um, you know what I'd have to probably tell them? Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> you know, I don't, I just, you know, now let me ask you this. Um, you know, three hours is a pretty good stretch, right? I mean, uh, let me ask you this. Are there planes 
on the Earth right now that could make that trip in three hours. Oh, yeah. There definitely are. Right. There are definitely planes. Fighter jets can go, you know, Mach 2, Mach 3. You know, they can go the speed of sound. They can get there in not that long a time. Right. So, so what I'm, okay. So I know that there are planes that can get me there in three hours time. But why would, if somebody came and asked me and they said, can you get there in three hours? And I say no, even though I know there are planes that could do that job. I know there's technology that could get me there in three hours. I know that, that, that it's, uh, that it's possible to be done. Still, why would I say no? I can't do it. Well, yeah, exactly. It's because I don't have that resource available to me. You know, I am not a, a, a fighter jet pilot. I don't know where to get a fighter jet. Even if I was a pilot, I, I wouldn't know. You know, I'd say, I, I, I don't have that resource available to me. Even though I know it exists, I want you to see it. Many times we believe that God and his resources exist. We don't have any problem believing they exist. We have no problem believing God is big enough. We have no problem believing that God's strong enough. We have no problem believing that God is powerful, that he is almighty. We have no problem believing that his resource his re, his resource is more than enough. We don't have any problem believing that. The, the the issue though, and this was the issue with the people in the in the wilderness, is that even though they believed that God was mighty, they believed He was powerful. They saw Him part the Red Sea. They they walked through on dry ground. They saw the ten plagues of Egypt. They did all that, so they knew God's ability was not in question. The question was was that ability right now in the situation when they're looking at giants. Is that ability available to them as their personal resource? That's the question, right? And so when I'm factoring something in and I'm allowing something to be a factor in a given situation, the question is not whether or not I believe God can do it. The question is whether or not I believe that that resource is available to me. That's the question. Because I don't know of any Christian who doesn't believe God can do anything. I don't know of any Christian who doesn't believe that God is big enough. I believe that every Christian believes God's big enough, strong enough, powerful. He can do anything. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's infinite. Da, 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 da. But the question is, why do we not factor him into the situation? It's because we don't believe that that resource is available to us right now. Even though we, even though we can read the word and we'll, we'll sit there, oh yeah, 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 you'll, you know, raw, raw about the word, but we really don't believe there is resources available to us. And the question is, you know, really, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, if you look at, um, you know, some of the best examples to me is like Luke chapter one and verse eighteen. And, and that, that's, uh, I, won't, I won't get there, I won't read that, but that's that's when uh, Zacharias is going in, you know, he's the father of John the Baptist, right? And so he's going in and he's going to perform his priestly duty. He is a priest of God, right? He's a, he's a part of Levitical priesthood and he's a priest. He's going in to perform his duty in the tabernacle and, um, and angels there, Michael's there. Michael, the archangel's there and says, man, you're going to have a son. Glory to God. And, and John's like, yeah, right. How's that going to work? You know, he totally has this too, right? He's like, how do I know this is going to be? And Michael, he's like, dude, <laughs> he goes, I'm Michael. I stand before God. <laughs> you know, and now, and of course we know he ends up, you know, John ends up being, I mean, excuse me, uh, Zacharias ends up being mute, you know, until John's born. But understand, 
I just want you to see what's happening here. This is John. This, this is Luke. Uh, Luke chapter one is Zacharias. Who is Zacharias? He is a he is a priest in the Levitical priesthood, doing the ordinances of God. Now, <laughs> uh, interesting. He is now. He, now we know that earlier he had prayed for a son. Obviously, years and years earlier, they probably prayed for a son. They had, hadn't had a son. His wife is now barren. His wife is older now. Um, she, she's been she's barren her obviously her whole life. Uh, you know whatever. And so now this, the, the the promise comes. He's going to have a son. And he goes, no, nope, that's not happening. I what you need to prove this to me. Okay. Now let me let me ask you something. If somebody that that day, if they were to meet Zacharias before he goes in the temple, and they were to say, Zacharias, is it possible? Is it possible for an an old older couple who has been barren? Is it possible for them to have a child supernaturally? If somebody were to ask them that question that morning before he walks into the tabernacle, if somebody were to ask him that, is it possible for an older couple who has been barren to have a child supernaturally, I would be more than confident to say that he would have said yes, definitely. And the reason why is because Abraham and Sarah, the father of his faith, the father of the nation of Israel, the father of the very covenants that he upholds as a Levitical priest, the father of all those things, the very miracle that they base their whole nation on is when an older couple who was barren has a child supernaturally, right? That's exactly the very thing that they that they base all their belief on. And here he is a priest. He's not just a normal Jewish person. He's a priest who actually upholds the covenants of God. And if somebody were to come to him that day and say, can an older couple actually have a child supernaturally when they've been barren, he would have said, oh yes, brother, that is what our whole country is founded on. That is the father of our faith. That is you know, Father Abraham and Mother Sarah and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so he knows with every, with, with no doubt, he knows that God's big enough. He knows that God's able to do that specific promise, to do that specific thing. He knows beyond a shadow of doubt that he can do this, right? But yet he walks into the tabernacle. So he's, he's prayed years ago for a son. He doesn't have a son yet. And yet when he's confronted with not only what, what he's asked God to do, he's confronted with the promise. He's confronted with the very thing he knows can happen. He questions it because he's not factoring in the, the, he's not factoring in the fact that God's ability is available to him just as much as it was to Abraham and Sarah. My goodness, can you see that? This is what happens to us every day. And when we're talking about factoring in the high priest, you know, it's not it's not good enough to acknowledge that there is a high priest. It's not good enough to acknowledge that Jesus is our high priest. It's not good enough to acknowledge what he did on the cross or what he did through his resurrection or what he's doing right now as our high priest. It's not good enough to acknowledge those things. It's not good enough to recognize those things. To factor it in, we have to equate ourselves in the equation and say not only are all those things true but they're available for me right now praise god now when we understand this oh goodness praise god um how, you know we we need to understand that that, that that this relationship with god and, and what he's wanting to give us he he has to do it in, in, in that place of inheritance so we can receive it freely 
And so we need to ask ourselves as we go into this study over the next few weeks, what does our relationship with God afford to us to receive freely? Because if it requires works, that's the wrong thing. If it requires, you know, this big battle mentality, it's the wrong thing. If it requires the, you know, us to, to jump through hoops, it's the wrong thing. We need to begin to really determine, are we factoring in what God has done and factoring in the high priest to such a degree that we can actually receive things freely? That we can sit in the seat of that airplane and let things happen so that when we sit down, we started in one place, and when we got up, we ended up 2,000 miles later. Praise God. And all we did was sit and have a few pretzels. That's the extent of our labor. You know, now understand, it doesn't mean that, that we don't have a job to do. It just means we need to labor to enter into rest, right? And we need to be in that place where we can freely receive from our high priest. Not just, okay, now in the, in the, in the, uh, Old Testament, they had high priests, right? They had high priests ever since Moses, right? Uh, and uh, as far as, uh, according to the Mosaic Law, the, the Levitical priesthood was started with Moses and Aaron, right? Aaron was the father of the Levitical priesthood. And so, um, uh, from the tribe of Levi, uh, God ordained through Moses a Levitical priesthood from the tribe of Levi to be the, the, the priest and the high priest. Okay, now what would happen is we know is every year that the high priest would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and he would take the blood and he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would uh, make the sacrifice for the sins of the people and the sins of himself. And what that would do is it would cover the sins of the people once and for all. Praise God. Now, um, now what he would do with that is he would take the, the, those, um, uh, he'd take the blood and he'd put it on, on the mercy seat, he'd put it on the, on the altar, he'd, he'd, he'd do these different things, and then what he would do, because that would take care of sin, and then what he would do is he would uh, actually uh, pray a prayer, uh, he'd, he'd burn some incense and pray a prayer, uh, with the little worship sensor thing that was in there, and he would pray a prayer, and what he'd do is he'd speak and pronounce the blessing over Israel. Okay, and in doing so, now we know, <laughs> we know just by tradition, now whether or not, you know, this isn't anywhere in the Bible, but just traditional history kind of tells us that they would put this rope around his ankle, and he had little bells on the bottom of his of his skirt, we know that, uh, but they have, he'd have a rope around his ankle, because if he didn't do everything just right, he would die in the Holy of Holies, and they would have to pull him out, and they have to send another one in to try to get it done right, right? And so the thing is, the people... I love this because the people, the people didn't, oh, here's what they knew. They knew that if the high priest did his job, if the high priest did his job, then they knew that the next year they were going to walk in the blessing of God. They knew if the high priest did his job, that it would affect everything they did on a daily basis. And this is what we want to get at. Because when it talks about factoring in our high priest, considering our high priest, we have to begin to allow our high priest to factor into everything we do. The high priest in the Old Testament, which is a shadow, it was a shadow of what we have now. Now we have a better high priest based on better promises, praise God. But the shadow form of it, when the shadow high priest would go into the shadow tabernacle and he would present the shadow blood on the shadow altar, and now I understand, I'm saying shadow a lot because I want you to see that 
that this was all in the old covenant. This was something that wasn't even the perfected form of it, but the shadow form had such a dramatic effect on the children of Israel that all the next year they knew that their sin was covered, and if their sin was covered, then the blessing was flowing without restriction. The blessing was flowing without the restriction of sin. The blessing was flowing without the obstacle of sin. The blessing of, was flowing. And if the blessing was flowing, that meant no matter what they did, no matter what they did, it was going to be blessed. So if they were going to get married, they knew it was going to be blessed. When they were going to plant crops, they knew those crops were going to grow. When they were going to go and make a business deal, they knew that they were going to make money. When they were going to start a, a new business, they knew it was going to prosper. When they were going to go into battle, they knew that they were going to win. Why? Because they had the blessing of God. And they had the blessing of God, not because they did everything right, but because they, oh, praise God. Um, but because the high priest did his job right. And so what they did is they, oh my goodness, this is so huge. They, most, see, most Jewish people didn't even know the high priest's job. It wasn't their job to know his job. It was his job to know his job. And many times what we do right now is we're trying to do Jesus' job. We think that he did his job so he could train us to do his job. That's not true. He did his job so we wouldn't have to do his job because we couldn't do his job. The people of Israel didn't need to know what the high priest did in the Holy of Holies. It was only the high priest that needed to know that. They just needed to know if he came out alive, then praise God it was going to be a blessed year. If he came out alive, it was going to be good. If he came out alive, they could do everything with confidence because now everything, oh, because they put the full weight of obedience on him. They put the full weight of obedience on the high priest so they knew if he did his job in full obedience, then they could be, they could actually reap the reward of that obedience. Praise God. Man, oh. Do we see it? Do we see how huge the high priest was? That they could be as bold as a lion. They could actually, they could, they could walk through life boldly. They could go into every situation factoring in the high priest did his job. So, like I said, if they're going to do a business deal, they're like, well, did the high priest do his job? Okay, we're good. Glory to God. Did, you know, we're going to get married. Did the high priest do his job? Okay, we're going to prosper and be blessed. You know, if we're going to have kids, they're going to be good. If we're going to plant crops, it's going to be good. Because they allowed the high priest to be that which governed their filter of life. And this is what when we're talking about the New Testament. How much more? How much more should we actually allow the, we consider the high priest? We need to consider the high priest of, 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 of our confession and allow the high priest to begin to govern how we see and view everything. Allow him to be the factor that we actually allow to override everything else. You know, we can sit there and say, yeah, we're, we, we, our ability might be low, our education might be low, our, you know, whatever, our, our resume not, might not be that strong, right? Our resume might not look like we, we, we should add up to much, you know, because the world's always saying you need a better resume. The world's always saying you can't, you can't do this because of this. You can't do this because of this. I don't know their resume. I don't know the job that they're doing. It's not my job to know their job. It's their job to know their job. I don't have maps. I don't have, you know, aerodyne, aer, you know, aeronautic books in front of me. I'll sit there and do my crossword or, or my little word search puzzle or whatever I'm doing, you know, and I don't need to know any of that. What I need to know is my, my pilot's doing his job, and therefore I have a blessed flight, and I believe that, and it's available to me. Okay, now, so as, as we get into this, man, I just want to fire you up because, man, the high priest, if we consider the high priest, 
He is the sum of all things, is that we have a great high priest. Hallelujah. Now, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to wrap it up. And like I said, as we get into these things the next few weeks, um, oh, man, I just want you to come with your faith. Come fired up. Come ready. And, and like I said, go back through the book of Hebrews. Begin to read through the book of Hebrews. I encourage you. Begin to, to feed on these things so that I, you can attach your faith with mine and we can do what the Holy Spirit wants done. Amen. Father, right now we worship you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the, the high priest. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. That, that, Father, we just want to rest and uh, factor in and consider the great high priest that we have, that he has done everything. We don't want to just recognize. We don't want to just acknowledge. We want to receive the fullness of it. And, Father, I think we will no longer be wilderness-minded people. We will be those who have influence and authority as, as children of the Most High God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.